Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi officials work to protect the integrity of next Tuesday's elections in the state. Then a new app helps parents keep vital information about their children on hand in case they go missing. Later, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on knee arthritis, and we'll hear from two candidates for state Supreme Court in the Northern District. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Preparation for next Tuesday's election, the Mississippi Secretary of State's office is already closely monitoring voter information and observing voter activity. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman says hackers try to penetrate the statewide election management system between four to five thousand times a month, but the voting machines used in the state are not connected to the internet. Also, an independent firm was hired by the state last week to try to break into the system, and it couldn't. Hoseman speaks with MPB's Desert. We have um, poll watchers from both the federal, from federal group is not sending poll watchers, which is fine. We don't need them in Mississippi. We have poll watchers for the candidates, poll watchers for the Republican and Democratic Party, and poll watchers for the Clinton campaign and the uh, Trump campaign and the other ones that are listed on the ballot. So uh, you'll have people at the polls that are watching on behalf of candidates, including uh, Mississippi Supreme Court. They have a contested election in North Mississippi and South Mississippi. So you'll see poll watchers in there, but all of them have to have their credentials. They have to have a signed letter, and I've asked for those people to put it on um, letterhead stationary so we know that it came from the Democrat Party, Republican Party, the Trump campaign, or Clinton campaign, and the others as well. We just need to make sure that we don't we don't have anybody in the polls that's not authorized to be there. The parties have two representatives. Every party is entitled to two representatives in every polling place in Mississippi. That's 1,800 of them. And then uh, the rest of them are um, each candidate is allowed one. 
outside. Are you concerned about people being harassed or picked on as they come? Always. We want a safe environment for people to come cast their ballot. We don't want somebody hollering at them outside or threatening or intimidating anyone. We haven't had that in Mississippi in a long time, and I don't want it to be this time. And so what are the rules outside? The rules outside are 30 feet, no loitering at all. So when you're within uh, 30 feet of the polling place, you should be not standing around. So if you want to go across the street or down to the corner, that's fine. And 150 feet, no campaigning, uh, unless you're on personal private property, which happens in some of these locations. But you can't be within, campaigning within 150 feet. Uh, you see people waving signs, that kind of thing. They'll, the bailiff will actually mark off the distance for them, and they can stand out and wave a sign and whatnot. That's all fine. And you don't want anybody standing within 30 feet of the entrance. You also said that you got questions about selfies. What is that? That's where you take a picture with your cell phone. We used not to have that problem, uh, you know, until uh, until they developed cell, uh, cell phones. But we... Uh, we want to make sure, the Mississippi, it's a law passed by the legislature, I think, to make sure nobody was given um, money for casting a ballot, for example, that kind of thing. And then the other thing is everybody's trying to vote. And for you to be standing there taking a selfie where i got to get to work, you know, I got, I've got to get back in my truck and go to work, that's, that's not helpful. So if anyone does that, what will happen to them? Well, it's, there actually are civil, I mean, misdemeanor fines assessed for that. So it's a misdemeanor in Mississippi. Also, you say you've been getting questions about absentee ballots. Mm-hmm. About people wanting to change. And uh, the way you change your ballot is go cast a vote on Election Day, and they'll, they'll reject your absentee ballot. So you can, ca- you can effectively change your ballot in Mississippi if you want to. Some might be surprised that you can even change it once you submit a vote. Is that common? Yes, it is, because we don't have early voting. And that's one of the things. When you early vote on a machine, it's gone forever. You can never go back. But in Mississippi, you vote absentee ballot by an envelope. And so those envelopes are taken to the, to the uh, actual precinct. And when you come in and you, Delbert Hoseman, you've already voted, you sign the poll book, they take your ballot out of that at the end of the day and they mark reject on it. So that ballot will not be counted again. And your only the ballot will be counted will be the one on the machine. Is there any chance that some might get through? I don't think so. And you said there's been like 71,000, more than 71,000 absentee ballots, and it's an indication that it might be a lower turnout? It might be. I, I, I wish we had more absentee ballots, but that doesn't mean you can't take that to the candidate. You don't know. You know, this is so sophisticated now. In Florida, they know if absentees come from this block in the city or something that, that's more Clinton or more Trump or whatever. We're, we're not that way. I, I just get a total number. And what's the average turnout for, I, I think you mentioned there's uh, 1.8 million eligible voters. Right. There are 1.8 million eligible voters, and our turnout is usually about 60 percent, 59 to 60 percent for a presidential election, which would be about 1.1 million. And in talking about rigging, that's something that people are concerned about and they keep hearing about it. What can you say about that? Elections in Mississippi are not rigged. The machines that you vote on are not connected to the Internet. And we got 10,000 workers plus 400 election commissioners and 82 circuit clerks. And Attorney General and the Secretary of State are all out there, and it's not rigged here. What will you be doing between now and next Tuesday? We'll be going. Uh, we were in North Mississippi this past week. We'll be in Hattiesburg in, uh, tomorrow. Um, what will you be doing? We, we're talking about the same things we're talking about today. 
will be publicizing the election is here. If you're not going to be here, please go to circuit clerks and vote. Uh, we're open on Saturday. Uh, all of those things. Remember to bring your ID. Just reminding everybody, uh, Mississippi is not what the parties are continuing uh, are really a contested state, so we're not getting all the TV ads. That in Florida, you don't watch TV, you just watch the ads now. So uh, we're not getting as much of that, and I want to make sure everybody knows the importance of casting your ballot. I also want to try to dispel this thought that we're just not going to vote. You know, we've got seven candidates on the ballot. One of them is going to be superior to the rest of them. You just need to pick. MPB's Desiree Frazier with Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman on next Tuesday's elections. Up next, a new app helps parents keep vital information about their children on hand in case they go missing. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Chuck Hagel was the first enlisted combat veteran to serve as U.S. Secretary of Defense. He was a Republican senator but served in the Obama administration. We'll speak with him about the fight against ISIS and the presidential election. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. About 800,000 children go missing every year in the United States. That's according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. A new app called Safety Central has been developed by the nonprofit to help parents and guardians protect children and react quickly if they're missing. We spoke with Janice Cologne, Executive Director of Outreach for the center. She says the app can be a powerful tool in the hands of parents. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children just released Safety Central, um, which is a safety app for parents and families. It includes a digital child ID kit, so parents can take a photo of their child. They can take photos of their fingerprints. They can also include information like if they wear glasses, if they have any scars or marks, um, how tall they are, really any relevant information that would be helpful for law enforcement should their child go missing. So when the when the information is in the app, does it go to... A central location, is it included in a database somewhere or is it just turning over your phone to the police department saying, here's my kid and what you need to know about him? So all of the information is stored in your phone. Um, and so if your child does go missing, you there's a button in there that you can email it or you can send straight to law enforcement. Um, but we don't keep a database of children who aren't missing. So included in the app, you can also search for missing children in your area. Um, so if you've seen those Have You Seen Me posters, all those kids, all those images of children are included in this app. So if you are in Mississippi, if you're in Oklahoma, if you're in Idaho, wherever you are, you are able to search for children that are missing in your area. And if you happen to see a child, you can report a lead through the app as well. Are there tips about how how to um, keep your child safe in different kinds of situations? Absolutely. So we've also packed this app with, with safety information for parents, everything from walking to and from school more safely to staying home alone. Um, and the good thing about it is that it allows us to push new information constantly. Um, so depending on what the season is, we're able to um, push out additional safety information that can help you right now. Janice, is there any recommendations from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, for instance, about how old a child should be to be left alone by themselves at home? You know, that's actually something that's determined, um, one, by the state. Um, Usually states have laws that determine, you know, how old a child can be when left alone. Anything ranges from like 10 to 12 years old, usually. Um, But it's really up to the parent um, to know how mature their children are if they're ready to be left alone. How is the app updated? Like you said, you can search for missing children. 
is that constantly updated? Are these people who have been in the system for a long time? How does that work? No, the app is constantly updated. Um, just like you would get an update from the Apple Store or Google Play, um, it's updated that way. But it's also directly connected to our database with when it comes to missing children. So if there's a child that's missing today, you'll see that in the app today. If they're recovered, they're removed quite a, um, very quickly as well. Um, because we don't want to uh, continue to, um, to show images of children who have been recovered. Um, and we want to make sure that once a ch- if a child is missing, we want to get that information out as quickly as possible. So it's updated very, very quickly. If an Amber Alert is issued, is that... Is that too quick to get it updated in the app? So the Amber Alert um, cases, you will get a notification, um, usually depending on what kind of phone you have. So you'll get a notification that there's an Amber Alert in your area. Um, but we, since we do secondary Amber Alerts here, you also will see that Amber Alert in the app um, if you're depending on what geographic location you are in. What are the biggest child safety issues? You know, when a child is kidnapped or goes missing, is it... Usually the child goes off on their own or someone they know is taking them or someone they don't know is taking them. What's most well, common? There are more than 400,000 children that are reported to law enforcement every year. How many? Um, 400,000? More than 400,000. So that's, oh a, that's a huge number of kids. And, and, that, and the circumstances are varied. You know, it could be anything from the child ran away. Um, it could be a sort of a stereotypical abduction. Um, it could be a family abduction. Um, it really could be anything. Um, you know, and the thing about the National Center is we don't really differentiate. If a child is missing, a child is missing. Um, so we want to make sure we throw all the resources at that to bring them home as quickly as possible, no matter if, they're, if they've run away, if they've just sort of disappeared, if they're with a, a family member that they shouldn't be with. Um, we're going we're gonna to use all of our resources to get that child back. And National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, talk about the exploited. What does that mean exactly and who's at risk? Sure. So for the last 20 or so years, we have been operating a cyber tip line. Um, and that allows the public, uh, ISP providers, to give us information regarding suspected child pornography, molestation, online enticement, um, really anything related to online exploitation. And so we take reports here um, and then sort of field those out to law enforcement for them to investigate. Um, And we also are able to kind of take a look at the trends and issues that are arising when it comes to exploitation. So as a result of that, we're able to develop some really fantastic prevention education programs around that. Um, You know, with the advent of the internet and, and technology constantly changing, the risk that children face online are growing every day. And so we want to make sure that the information that we're getting through our separate tip line is sort of funneled um, so parents know what to be looking for, what types of apps and, and websites that children are on, and how to protect them when they're you know, on their phones. It sounds like this app, though, is most valuable for parents to put that information in about their kid fingerprints, a photo, description, that that comes in very handy. Absolutely. First and foremost is that child ID, uh, because the first three hours that a child is missing are the most critical. And so if you have it already stored in your phone, you can kind of send that off to law enforcement within a moment, um, and they'll have that information as quickly as possible to begin that search. How can people find out more without downloading the app? Is there a website or something they can check it out and then download? Absolutely. There's more information available on missingkids.org. Missingkids.org. That's easy enough. Janice Colon is Executive Director of Outreach for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Janice, thank you very much. Thank you. Up next, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on knee arthritis. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the MyBlue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to be blue. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Rick Gachezo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Knee arthritis causing chronic knee pain is epidemic because of our athletic pursuits and our obesity. Lots of people have chronic knee osteoarthritis. There are a number of therapies that have been suggested for this, one of which is the injection of hyaluronic acid into the knee, sort of oil, to uh, grease the joint up. A recent meta-analysis suggests that the placebo effect is largely responsible for the benefit of this and that it's really largely ineffective. Another favorite is glucosamine, which you can get from the drugstore with chondroitin sulfate. And a recent clinical trial compared that to celecoxib, also known as Celebrex, which is a prescription non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agent. And guess what? At six months, the improvement in pain with glucosamine chondroitin sulfate plus uh, Celebrex was no different than that from Celebrex alone. So I don't think that works uh, very well. In a few people, it seems to work better than others. It's safe. If I was going to try something, I would go the non-steroidal rate. But remember, if you take a non-steroidal like naproxen or leave the like, you have to take a stomach protector if you're going to take it for more than several weeks because it will cause stomach ulcers. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. It's been an unpredictable election year, but one thing is certain. On November 8th, the votes will be counted. Join us for the results, reaction, and analysis on the big night and the morning after. Tuesday at 7 on MPB Think Radio. For more than a year, the election has consumed the nation. I am officially running. We're president of the United States. We're going to build the wall. Women's rights are human rights. And we will human make America together. The process is rigged. Trump's hate. On November 8th, the votes will finally be counted. NPR will have live round-the-clock coverage. Join us for the results, reaction, and analysis on the big night. Tuesday at 7 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Next Tuesday is Election Day. In addition to voting for president, Mississippians will have a chance to cast votes for the state's four congressional seats and state Supreme Court. This week, we're examining the races for Supreme Court. Today, we look at the Northern District, which has four candidates, by talking with two of the candidates, John Brady and Steve Crampton. First, John Brady. I've been in private practice for 22 years. I uh, grew up in Starkville, went to Mississippi State, and then to Mississippi College Law School. After graduating from law school in 1994, I began practicing with a firm in Jackson. I worked with two different firms in Jackson until 2003 when my wife Jennifer and I decided to uh, relocate to Columbus. So I contacted the Mitchell McNutt and Sam's law firm in in late 2002, and we uh, moved here in 2003. I've been in private practice, like I said, for 22 years. Uh, Primarily what I do is I defend 
businesses and defend people who get sued. I've tried cases in all courts in Mississippi, both circuit and chantry, county court, justice court. I've handled a number of cases, dozens of cases, before the Mississippi Supreme Court and the Mississippi Court of Appeals. I'm running for the Supreme Court because I think that we need conservative Christians who will fairly apply the law of the case to the facts of the case and not try to legislate from the bench. That's the, um, that's the role of the legislature. The Supreme Court is not there to make or change the law. If I'm elected to the court, I will not be an activist judge on the court, uh, but rather uh, uh, fairly apply the law of the case to the facts of the case and interpret the law in the way that I think that it should be in- interpreted uh, based on the uh, intent of the drafters of the legislation. There may be some Mississippians who don't know how the state Supreme Court affects their lives. Can you tell us how? Yeah, it, it does so in a number of ways. First of all, the rulings by the Supreme Court are going to affect the litigants that are before the court, obviously, because the court's ruling on cases that they have. It also affects litigants that will later have cases before trial courts, because the trial court judges look at what the Supreme Court has done. They look at whether the Supreme Court leans conservative or more liberal, and a lot of times the trial court judges will make their rulings based on what they think the Supreme Court would ultimately do. John Brady is running for the state Supreme Court in North Mississippi, District 3 more specifically. Mr. Brady, thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Now, Northern District Supreme Court candidate Steve Crampton. I'm an attorney with uh, over 30 years of experience and uh, over 20 years of concentrating on uh, constitutional rights. So the reason I'm running is I think I have a a broader uh, variety of experience than the other candidates. I have uh, more appellate experience than the other candidates, and I'm the only candidate with uh, substantial constitutional background. And given the times we live in, it seems to me that that kind of uh, breadth of experience, and in particular the constitutional experience, would be of great benefit to the people of Mississippi. There may be some uh, Mississippians who don't know exactly why the Supreme Court matters. How does it affect their lives directly? You know, that really is a great question because most of us are not going to see ourselves in the court, obviously, and uh, might be led mistakenly to think that it won't influence their lives. But the truth is, of course, that uh, the fundamental structure of our very uh, society matters. And the Supreme Court has the, uh, the final say on both our state constitution and our state uh, statutes and laws that come before it. So they are very influential in setting the tone and the direction for our state and will also address periodically the um, federal constitutional issues. And in our times, we find a, uh, a growing trend for monumental type decisions coming out of the courts more so than the legislatures. So the courts matter, I'd say, today more than ever before. And our state Supreme Court being the final say on our state law matters a great deal to Mississippians. Do you think the state Supreme Court is on the right track now? As a general proposition, I don't think it's uh, far off. I think our history has been good. Um, But the 
types of issues that we see coming down the pike today are unlike issues that we've really uh, experienced ever before. And to that extent, I think we need people with a depth of experience and background that we may not have ever really required before. Steve Crampton is running for the state Supreme Court seat in District 3, which represents North Mississippi. Mr. Crampton, thank you very much for your time today. Karen, thanks so much for having me. You have a great day. Longer versions of the interviews will be available on our website later today at mpbonline.org slash Mississippi Edition. Tomorrow, we'll talk with Northern District Supreme Court candidates Bobby Chamberlain and James T. Kitchens. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Fix It 101, Everyday Tech, and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Coming up this week on MPB's At Issue, who will be the next president of the United States? Hillary Clinton? I will do everything that I can to make sure that you have good jobs with rising incomes. Or Donald Trump? We are going to make America strong again, and we are going to make America great again, and it has to start now. The race for the White House is in its final lap. Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones break down the candidates on At Issue this Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. You know, this has been an unpredictable election year, but one thing is certain. On November 8th, votes will finally be counted. Join us for results, reaction, and analysis on the big night and the morning after. Tuesday at 7 on MPB Think Radio.